Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm Mel. Hello, ABGs and ABBs. Have you ever wondered how a book goes from being just an idea to a little world that you can hold in your hands? Well, this past fall, our first children's book, Lucky Cat, stretched its legs and made its way onto bookshelves around the world. As first-time authors, we got a crash course into the journey an idea takes to become a book. And it was definitely a learning process, but a fun learning process. We've also learned so much from others, those who are willing to open up their networks and depth of experience to us, like Joanna Ho, the writer of Eyes That Kiss in the Corners, and also from our mommy friends who we reach out to with our second drafts of the book to get their feedback and to get their kids' feedback. We so appreciate our network of individuals that helped us in the creation of this book. So whether you are dreaming up your own book or simply curious about what goes into the making of one, we decided to record an episode to share with you all the behind the scenes of what goes into making a children's book. It goes without saying that this BTS is specific to our experience because every book and its author have their own journey, but we are so excited to share with you all the journey of making Lucky Cat. So let's start with how did it all start? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the journey of Lucky Cat for us began rather um, kind of randomly. So every year we'd go on what we call kind of a retreat, just the three of us. We book a hotel room and basically lock ourselves in for like two to three days and Uh, We do everything from record episodes to talk about very practical logistic next steps for the upcoming year, but we always reserve time to do some blue sky thinking. Mm -hmm. And this is where we just fantasize. It is like, if we could have anything happen, what would we want, you know, for ABG to be able to do? And one year, I believe it was Helen, maybe someone had, you know, said, wouldn't it be awesome if we could write a children's book? Mm. And it felt totally random at the time because I think at this point we only had a podcast, but we wrote it down anyway. And lo and behold, I believe like eight months later, we got an email into our inbox from a children's book publisher in the UK 
saying that she, um, you know, they specialize in cultural stories and that she had found us online. She had Googled us, I guess, or like Googled something and then we came up. I think, I'm pretty sure she Googled like Asian. Asian, yeah. Girl. <laughs> and then maybe our our name just popped up and, we're, and she was like, oh, this looks like a credible source. So yeah, yeah. naming naming anything is actually very important. Mm-hmm. It's very important. <laughs> yeah. We got lucky with the keywords there. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think, you know, generally the process of publishing a book, sometimes people will go through agents and the agent will help you find a publisher. In our case, we were very lucky and blessed that a publisher reached out to us directly. So um, that was you know, unique to our experience. But once we connected with the publisher, that's where the actual journey, I think, began to making Lucky Cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the initial idea for our children's book, once we, w- we knew that we were on the path to writing one, was... Um, a simple one. The first one was going to be ABCs for ABGs because, mm-hmm. you know, that just worked. Yeah. And also just based on our own experiences of children's books that we had seen, especially growing up, a lot of children's alphabet books focused on general topics like apple or adventure or animal for A. And we thought a niche focus book on Asian and Asian American items like A is for adobo or abacus might be a direction that we would take. Now, when we do a search, there are actually many books like that out there that are Asian-focused, which is honestly so amazing. Um, But I'm glad that we didn't take that direction ourselves for this first children's book. So in terms of process, the first thing that we did was go to a Barnes & Nobles together. I believe it was the one at the Grove, Mm -hmm. was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And we were on a mission. We got some coffee and we went in there like, oh, we ready. So our mission was to do some research on the breadth of children's books out there with specifically Asian protagonists. We wanted to understand what stories were missing out there. What did these books that have made it to Barnes & Noble's shelves, what is the sweet factor that we also need in our book? What could we do better? You know, so we searched for for content and also kept an eye out for illustration style because that's obviously a very huge component of any picture book. Mm-hmm. The illustrations go hand in hand with the storytelling. And we also noted any Asian illustrators to reach out to. I think after that day that we spent at Barnes & Noble's, th- the three of us, we decided to to challenge ourselves to write a story that was a little more meaningful to us than ABCs for ABGs, which... <laughs> It's still a very catchy title, and who knows, may still be a book one day. But we decided to use our forte of storytelling, which is what we do here on the podcast, Mm -hmm. and transform that vessel of storytelling from podcast to a book. What is a story that we wish were on our bookshelves in our school libraries when we were a kid growing up, you know? So what we ended up coming up with was Lucky Cat. And... (laughs) This character for us was a symbol and a figurine that we had all seen, right? At restaurants and laundromats and different family-run mom-and-pop shops throughout our Chinatowns and always in that one random-ass Asian restaurant in the, middle, in the middle of a suburban town. Lucky Cat was always there to greet us. And so when we came up with this idea, we were like, wait, how awesome would it be to bring this Lucky Cat to life? You know, it's always been a very stoic, somewhat cold figurine in our lives. Mm -hmm. And even though it's part of pop culture and very much popularized, we'd never seen an animated Lucky Cat before. And we knew that this was going to be the subject of our book, bringing this character to life. 
And so we had June, who is the main little girl in the book, be also the only one to be able to see Lucky Cat, which conveys the grand imagination of children all around the world as well. And the messaging that we wanted to send across with this book is that the Lucky Cat is more than just, you know, a cute statue at the front of a family-run establishment. She stands for perseverance. She stands for hard work, for hope, uh, for a family unit working hard for a better tomorrow. And there are so many families out there who run small businesses. My own family did as well with Lucky Cat's greeting guests. So we were just super excited to bring Lucky Cat to life with this book. Yeah, I remember we had gone through a bunch of different ideas. And the moment, Helen, you mentioned like the inkling of this of this idea, it just felt like, mm-hmm. oh, there is something there. Um, so we had the idea and the concept, but we still had to actually write out the book itself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for anyone who's read a children's book, you might think, oh, it's so easy. It's like 10 pages or whatever. And, you know, the majority of it is illustrations. But we had three of us, you know, trying to to put down words and come up with a storyline, come up with the details of the main character and the conflicts and all the different like, you know, ways and all the different events in the story. So this is the approach that we took. And um, it's kind of true to how we started our podcasting. Just it was the three of us. We sat down at a table with our laptops and through a combination of typing and and conversation, we uh, pumped out a first draft. And I think it actually surprisingly came pretty quickly. We did it in one afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, at least we got the first draft down in, in, the, um, in the first afternoon. Did we really? I thought I could have sworn we did it in multiple nights. I think once we landed on the idea of Lucky Cat, the actual drafting of it was just, was just that, one, that one afternoon. Maybe we're, we're, we have different memories of things. <laughs> but I thought, I thought I remembered the first time just like, um, coming pretty quickly, at least the, the first draft and maybe the words were not finalized. Mm-hmm. But I remember some of the things that we were trying to go back and forth about that maybe kind of caught us, like that we got stuck a little bit at certain points is obviously we're three adult women and we're used to talking in our voices. So we're trying to be very conscious of if you're writing for children, you need to be pretty simple, right? With vocab and sentence structure, you can't be too complicated with the plot. Um, even some of the grammar, because our publisher's from the UK and we're based in, you know, you know, the US, there's different kind of like grammatical treatments um, for UK versus American English. Uh, And then for, I don't want to give away too much of the book, but the storyline, you know, the different businesses the family tries being very deliberate on what type Mm -hmm. of uh, industries that they represented so that it could be pretty, a pretty broad spectrum. But nevertheless, we got that first draft down with just the three of us. And then the second round was um, then having our friends who specifically had um, writing or storytelling background, either, you know, authors themselves having worked with publishers or, you know, creating writing storylines and, and understanding the, the general arc of, of that help us kind of review and get their perspective. And then the third round was us sending it out to a lot of our friends and families who have kids and asking them for their feedback for the storyline. Um, in terms of working with the publisher, some of the things that were interesting that we learned along the way were general best practices in you know writing children's book, like what is the, the best length, number of pages you should have, what's the best pacing. Also, when you're writing the story, you're keeping in mind a bit of the illustrations that are that are going to go along with it as well. So um, it was it was definitely like a layering process, I think, that took multiple months just to get to lock down that storyline. Mm hmm. I actually have like memories of us working at Janet's table 
the three of us. And then it was after, I, 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 was this after work? By this time, we were already full-time. This is during the pandemic. Oh, wow. Sorry. My memory of everything has been kind of being mushed in. But I just remember spending like long nights. We're like, we have to get this. Like, we have to keep working at it. So maybe that's why I'm like, oh, we were multiple nights. They're like, they're, I think there are countless <laughs> nights of us working on Lucky Cat. Yes. Um, but Janet mentioned how, you know, our when we were writing the book, we had to pair it with the illustrations, which brings us to finding the right illustrator for this children's book. I think all of us, you know, grew up reading children's books and, you know, now seeing it at the stores and, you know, for our friends' kids, our nieces and nephews and whatnot, you know how important illustration is when it comes to children's books. And I think that's something we were were very aware of, which takes us back to when we're at the Barnes and Nobles, we were looking at illustrations and all of us were like, okay, which illustration resonates with you? What what colors? Like, did you want a full cover um, bleed? Did you want all this stuff? And so we were kind of talking through our preferences. And I think by the time we hit the stage of the book writing of like locking an illustrator, we kind of had an idea as to what we were looking for. Um, one of the main things we for sure wanted was the Lucky Cat animation or designed to look really cute and very adorable. Um, I think all three of us grew up on Disney, so we have, you know, like just, just the characters to create, we were very inspired by. Our publisher actually originally like presented some some illustrators to us, and they're great options. But I remember we talked internally. We're like, you know, this would be a great opportunity for us to extend this project out to someone who actually probably has a design background or wants to, you know, illustrate a book. And I remember we created a form, and we just shot it out through all the different like community groups to see if there's anyone that would be interested in design or illustrating our book. And I think we were just amazed and shocked by like how many people submitted their portfolios to us and how talented people are. And all you really have to do is just ask. And that's just so crazy to me, this untapped talent. Um, and so I think the other question may be, what did you guys ask in the form or what were you guys, what were some specific things you were searching for when locking in an illustrator? And I remember we um, actually talked to our publisher about this and they were very game on this plan of like, yeah, let's do, let's do a call out. And um, I think one of the creative directors or the creative lead at the publisher, she gave us really good advice saying, hey, you know, I would suggest if you guys ask, um, as you're searching for your illustrator, like um, ask them to send in, send in um, drawings of animals and drawings of the animals in different emotions and moods to see if they could portray the emotions you guys are trying to write in the book. And I thought that was really great advice because that's true. This is an animate this this is an animated character. And so part of the, I guess like submission for the illustrator was not only your portfolio, but um, we had them submit animal drawings and then the moods. And I remember um we had so much fun kind of sifting through the um, the different submissions. And yeah, I remember when we saw our illustrator Eunice's submission, it was like, it was immediate, like instantly, like, oh my gosh, it was, it was just amazing. But we did have a couple, like, I guess, like very close um, artists that we really wanted to work with. It was just like, it was, it was hard, but we really locked in on Eunice who end up, you know, ended up illustrating our book. Yeah, that was such a great overview of just how we went through this illustration process. And it's so cool that we just found someone from our community that, you know, was transitioning into becoming an artist from being a teacher and that we could give her that, you know, first shot at her first big project. So we are excited to introduce Lucky Cat's incredible illustrator, Eunice Chen. 
to this podcast. We're going to bring her on to share her experience. She is an Asian American artist based in New York City with her husband, son, and Corgi. And her story of how she found her way back to her childhood love of art after building a 10-year career in education is just so so inspiring. She is currently also working on a Disney Junior show that will be airing on Disney Plus in June, and she hopes to make her own animated short film in the near future. So with that, Eunice, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Yay. Hi, thanks for having me. Yay. <laughs> so when we first put out a call for an illustrator for our upcoming children's book, you were the very first person to apply. And all of us were awestruck by your application and the sample art that you have provided. People may also be surprised that this is the very first children's book that you illustrated. You shared with us that you were a teacher for many years who decided on a career shift to focus on illustration. So in a few sentences, could you describe your path to becoming an illustrator? What was the driving force behind that? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Asia and Taiwan. And, you know, back then, I've always loved to draw. I remember at starting from a very, very young age, um, I drew all the time and that was my happy place. Mm. Um, but growing up in Asia, there were no like it just it was just never a thought that I could pursue art. And, you know, I always took the practical route because as mm. the eldest daughter, you always want to be responsible and take the practical route. So um, mm. so in Asia, I was also tutoring kids in English and um, and I enjoy working with kids and that's why I decided to go into teaching um, but I always still loved art and um, and I just felt art so life-giving and it wasn't until I had my son in 2018 that um, well I almost died from having him so I think when you're at that phase in your life you kind of reevaluate what's important in your life and I realized that life is just really short um, and also I remember when my son was a newborn, I was, you know, cradling him and hugging him one day. And I remember looking at him and thinking, you know, you, he can be whatever he wants to be in his life and he can do whatever he wants to do as long as, you know, it's, it's moral and ethical. And I would s still love him and I would be happy for him. Um, I just want him to be happy. And suddenly, like, I was just struck by that thought. I was thinking to myself, um, if I can say that to my son, why can't I extend that same um, permission to myself? Mm. So I was like, okay. Um, I was like researching art stuff. Like, oh, you can actually be a full-time artist, um, you know, and not be starving. And so um, I, I have never drawn um, on the computer before that. And I just started from zero. I just took some digital painting one-on-one -on -one classes. And I didn't know anybody any artists or anybody in the animation industry. And so I just kept following people and interacting with people and it kind of just grew from there. Um, yeah, and then now I have, you know, Lucky Cat and um, a few other projects. Oh my God, that is such a beautiful story. That's actually the first time we've heard that. So thank you so much for sharing that, Eunice. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's also one story I never told you guys. Um, when when I submitted my Lucky Cat um, application, uh, the publishing company reached out to me and I had a really early meeting with them because they were they were in London and it was at 5 a.m. So I went to the basement to meet with them and they were talking more to me more about the book and they said it's about a cat. And um, and we talked about it. And afterwards, um, I went upstairs to the second floor to get my son who had just woken up. And this has never happened before, but the first word he said to me when he woke up was cat. 
Oh. And it was really strange. Yeah. Whoa. Um, so I think that was a sign. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, I think I will be working on this book. Mm. I'm not sure, oh. but I think oh so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I just want to share that yeah. with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cute. You're like, no, I'm mom, not cat. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cute. That's adorable. Wow. I know. How did he know? <laughs> I don't know. I think yeah. it was a sign. That that was so, I mean, wow. I guess as people say, life gives you signs um, as long as you, you know, are open to them and follow them. So, uh, well, we love and so much appreciate that you followed those signs to uh, sign on, on to our project of Lucky Cat. Um, when, so, you know, you're talking about the meeting that you had with the publisher. What about the story of Lucky Cat resonated most with you when you started working on this project with us? Yeah, I like how um, even though Lucky Cat is about an immigrant family, I feel like the themes in there are very universal, you know, um, of all immigrants or people who've ever struggled before to find their footing and place in this world and in life. And um, I really like how June's family is very resilient and um, they continue to support each other and build each other, build each other up, even though uh, they encounter many hardships. Um, and I think that speaks to a lot of people. And um, I feel like this is the first, one of the first time I've seen a, an Asian American f- book focused on a theme like that. Um, a lot of the other books I've seen, which, was really, which is required and really good as well, mm-hmm. is more about, you know, folklores and our history um, or learning Chinese. Um, but this book is different. I feel like it's very um, focused on our experience as of finding a place Aww. in the world. That's really sweet. I also want to say, Eunice, um, I remember when we were looking at your application, I think it was like an instant like love when we saw your artwork, and I still can't believe that. I, and it just kind of blows my mind that you literally started in like 2018 with your with your art, or like digital, um, your digital art. Um, I just feel like you your illustrations really brought the story to life, and I remember when we got we were so excited to, to see just a copy of how you just like brought June's family and Lucky Cat into the world. And we saw it, we're like, oh my God, this is exactly like what we kind of envisioned. But to see it in front of us was such a crazy experience. So, and also seeing the kids enjoy the book now, I really think your illustration does so much to just like, I don't know, it just adds so much to the story. So I really want to thank you for that. Thanks for giving me the chance to work with you guys. And I think the story is also very special. Yeah. Well, my question for you is like, you know, what's one piece of advice you'd want to share with our listeners who may be considering a career transition or re-exploring in an earlier passion like you did? Um, I think because each person is different. So um, I think my advice is not really a blanket statement, but only from my experience. Um, One thing that I found really helpful in my journey is finding Mm -hmm. mentors um, to guide you and to and people who have been in the industry and you learn from them. Um, I think that is one thing that I really want to emphasize. That's great advice. And do you have any tips for how to seek out a mentor? Um, well, just have no shame and have no ego. Just reach out to people. Um, that's what I did. I just um, randomly messaged people that I, I, truly, I, I truly admire and like their artwork. And so I just I looked at their stuff and I messaged them and um, I was surprised at how kind people were and how open they were to giving me advice and helping me and um, responding. So you just never know. Um, I know it's really scary to just cold call or cold message people, but um, I, at the point I was like, I have nothing to lose, mm-hmm. so might as well just do it. Yeah. 
I love that. I love that mentality. Yeah. That go getter mentality. And look, now you're like, you have so many other projects that you're already working on and some books that are already out there too, right? Right. That felt like it came so immediately after Lucky Cat. Yeah. Like, girl, yeah. you are you are working. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because of Lucky Cat, I think people were able to see my art. Um, yeah. And actually I started, even though my son was born in 2018, I I didn't start taking art classes until 2020. Oh. Um, I was still, yeah, yeah, I was still working full time as a teacher um, before that, and I was teaching in the daytime and just drawing like a mad woman at nighttime. <laughs> and eventually, came to a point where I was like, okay, I think I can quit my full time job and focus on art. Yeah, thank you for sharing the details of that transition. Uh, for us, when we selected you, it wasn't just your work, but a lot of it was also your story that we resonated with because that's very similar to how we started ABG was, you know, we all had a certain career path and kind of started working on this as a side passion project and did that balance act uh, for a couple of years before going full time. So really, really happy to hear that Lucky Cat is um, uh, has been a launching point for you and so excited to see all the stuff that you're going to be doing, you know, in the future and following you along for your journey. Yeah, thank you. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, for this part of the podcast, we wanted to take turns sharing a learning moment, a favorite moment, and also the goal for Lucky Cat. What is next? So let's start with a learning moment. Mel, what is something that you learned in this process? 
everything. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I, you know, I just feel like just writing a book, the publishing world is new territory for the three of us. And I just learned so much along the way. Like, I don't know, just the whole thing, even like the little things of like, I just remember there were a couple times, and I'm just going to be calling us out, that we were talking with the publisher and they're like, oh, we're sending you a blank. And we're like, what is that word you just said? Like, I was thinking <laughs> like, what is that word? So I just think the whole process was a very, just a learning moment because again, new territory. I feel like we like no podcast, we know video or know all the other realms we touch, but this is a new challenge in terms of storytelling. So I will say everything in general was a learning moment for me. So yeah. How about you, Janet? Oh my gosh. I think... Like you said, Mel, there's so many things that we learned, but if there was one that was the most surprising to me, it would be how like long, or I guess it would be the timeline um, Mm -hmm. of, you know, how a book gets created from conception to when it gets into the hands of readers. Um, I had no idea how long it took that this is truly like a year plus type of project. Mm -hmm. Um, And for us, that's not even, that's not even counting if someone took a different route and like had a concept for the book and then went to go find an agent and a publisher. This is just from the moment you create a relationship with a publisher. Like it takes so much time to lock in an illustrator, to refine the storyline, to do drafts and draft reviews and contracts and and all of that. Um, and then there's so much that happens behind the scenes from the publisher's perspective on how they decide on the timing of when your book is released. And then there's the whole like, you know, you don't want to just put your book out. But for us, we really wanted to create marketing campaigns around it and, and think through how we wanted to present it to the world. So I think for me, the biggest learning moment is just that this truly is a long-term project that you commit to. And for us, Mm -hmm. it was something we just, yeah, it, you know, we had to balance this on the side with everything else happening. I remember at points even just forgetting about Lucky Cat because we had so many other things happening. (laughs) And then you get an email in, right? Because it's like maybe months of them working on something. And I was like, oh yeah, we're doing that still. Um, But it was, it was a, I think a great exercise in, in patience, you know, and how to, how to get through something, how to work with multiple parties. Something I've learned is that it's best to write a story when it comes from the heart. Something that um, I had mentioned at the LA Public Library reading that we did um, with Janet a couple of weeks ago um, is that if you want to start to become an author or illustrator, develop your own unique voice. I think it's so easy to see sort of what what is out there um, and want to either replicate or mimic what has already worked. But I think it's important to find a story that really does resonate with with you and holds meaning for you and one that you can feel passionately about. Mm -hmm. Because when you do, the words just come much easier onto the page. And that's something that I think stuck with me um, the most, just how fast we wrote those pages, like Janet mentioned. I think we wrote that in a day. It might have been two days. Who knows? And of course, the, the refinement period is a lot longer. But it was relatively easy for us um, to write this story out from beginning to end. So find something that you feel passionate about and the words will come much easier to you. That is some great advice, Helen. Um, so, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, the whole process and everything being a learning moment. Do you guys have a favorite moment? Ooh, okay. My my first answer was reading to the kids, um, especially mm-hmm. at Mel's elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to see in the faces of children when you're reading them the story and then to see them retain that information, um, to hear them say lucky cat 
And to hear them say Asian <laughs> boss girl is so like surreal. Um, and of course, this favorite moment is like after the book is published. Um, but but that, I think that's like my favorite part of, of all of this is seeing seeing how other people interact with the thing that we've created. Yeah, I think for me, it's been hearing from friends and family members and even some of our readers out there, perhaps you listening right now, hearing how this book is your kid's favorite book. Like that's Aww. so <laughs> mind boggling that, you know, you'll find your child in the corner of the room holding onto Lucky Cat. And if they can't read yet, they're just immersed flipping through the pages and looking at the illustrations and hearing how some of you, I think our friend Kathy for Isla, she reads this book to her kid like three times a week because she, because Aww. Isla asks for it. And they're, they just always want you to read this book to them other, when there are like a billion other books on your bookshelves. That is probably the most rewarding thing um, of this whole process. Because honestly, representation is just so, it is, it is very important. Mm-hmm. And if we can actually create characters that are, a fantastical version of our youth and our stories that is representative and authentic to us as well and have it impact others in a positive way. That to me is like the most rewarding part of being able to tell your story so that other people can feel seen. So I think that's been my favorite, favorite, favorite part of this whole process. Ooh, those are good ones. Yeah. How about for you, Mel? I have a couple. I will say, I remember... Oh, there's, um, these, these are kind of blending into two, but okay, I'll just use one. I think getting the mail and getting our first hard copy of the book mm-hmm. and seeing it for the first time and touching it and sifting through the pages was a crazy experience because I think in what we do, um, it was a tangible thing in our hands that we're like, we made this. And it's just, I think for us, like, I, I don't think that's, I don't know. It's just a, it's just like whoa. Like this is definitely like a, um, like a core core memory type of moment for me because it's just a rare thing. And I remember seeing it and like being like, this is so crazy, and being like, look at the cover. It's so shiny. And <laughs> the, I don't know. It just felt like, I think from a personal level and just for us as ABG, just seeing like created by or written by and seeing our names there was like I never thought that. Like, this is something, like, I will always remember and feel accomplished by for our company and, like, our team. Um, the second favorite moment is um, obviously reading to the kids. I will say for sure, hands down. It was, I remember feeling so scared because I, I I was joking around, like, I was texting you guys. I'm like, yeah, I'm used to talking to girls our age. I don't know. I never <laughs> haven't talked to children in a while. And I think, I think you all know, like, amongst the three of us, like, I don't have nieces or nephews. And so I don't really interact with children as much, even though I do love them. So I was really nervous, like going to a room of 20 kids. I was like, I do not know what to expect. But I remember them just being so in awe with the illustration stories and they'll shout out saying, I saw a lucky cat. I saw one. And I was like, this is so cool. Or a little girl saying, I had a bow before, or just like noting, like mentioning things from the book. And I remember... I don't know if it's, you know, tied into the storytelling of the book, but I remember what we're leaving. They're saying bye. They just like a couple of things. Like one, they like, they, they really wanted the book in their classrooms. They expressed that to us until the teacher, or they like hugged us as we left. And I was like, oh man, like, I hope we like, they resonate with the story enough to hug us, I guess. But even little things like, um, 
we did coloring sheets in the classroom and all of them asking for an extra copy for their friend or their sister because they wanted to share the characters with them. So I think seeing the excitement in children was a different kind of impactful experience for me because I think I think seeing the youth and like the, the children like feel something from a storytelling that came out of us is like, whoa, like never, it's just a different experience doing like doing that versus like doing an episode about like gray zone transition in your career. It's just a different audience to see that excitement in someone much younger was really cool. Yes, it definitely was. What are your ladies' thoughts on um, what the goal of Lucky Cat is? I would say that, um, you know, when we were kids, we did not have books like this out there for us to feel seen. If anything, it always felt like we were outsiders reading stories of other kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And so in the near future, and probably by the time you hear this episode, what we really want to do is get this book into the hands of as many kids as possible. So we are in the process of creating a book drive, connecting with mm-hmm. libraries and schools and organizations all across the country and organizing this internally so that we can get Lucky Cat into the hands of as many kids as possible. And so we will have a goal to meet. We're still trying to figure out what that goal is. But we would love if you out there listening right now, if you could help us out here by donating a copy of Lucky Cat to a local library or into the hands of kids who will really appreciate a book like this. Mm-hmm. So with that, you know, check out our Instagram. We'll post more details of our book drive and you will hear more about it there. But that is our near term goal to get this into as many hands of kids as possible. We also include the link to the donation drive in our show notes. So if you guys want to, you know, take that um action you could check in our description as well yeah what other goals do we have for a lucky cat i helen i feel like you like really just um kind of pinpointed it like when you're talking about your learning mo- or your favorite moment and i think you just see how again like growing up we didn't have books talking about you know our like our culture our identity and so that is definitely you know the goal to spread this book and spread the story as much as we can and I think I had this moment where I realized, oh, this really does, this representation really is important when it comes to children's books because um, on our Instagram posts, and I think we did a call on socials, like, please share, like, you know, like your children enjoying the book. And there is a video of, I think a mom that sent, a mom sent over a video to us and she's reading Lucky Cat and the daughter goes mama and baba and points at the characters in the book. And I was like, wow. To use words like mama and baba, which are terms we probably used before or our friends have in seeing kids identify like this is a term. This is this is the face I, I, I use to call my parents was really cool. So again, we do want to spread the story as much as we can. Oh, yeah. I remember that moment too, Mel, watching that video and hearing that little child's voice saying words that were, yeah, very familiar. Um, as you ladies have said, I think, you know, obviously our like number one goal as it has been with the podcast is to be able to, to provide stories that are representative of our experiences. And I think in addition to that, um, being able to get this book into the hands of kids who don't identify as Asian, Mm -hmm. um, or are not immigrants, I think being able to normalize and bring awareness to the immigrant experience, um, and having a familiarity with the nuances of Asian culture, you know, with all the things that we have in the book, like the bows, um, even the details of the throw blanket that, that, um, Mm. that Lucky Cat puts over June, that is a blanket that a lot of Asian families have in their homes from their grandparents, those types of things, being able to normalize that for kids who 
are not familiar with our culture so that they don't see it as different, right? That they can feel mm-hmm. like it's it's um, it's normal. And I think Eunice had mentioned this as well, is that Lucky Cat is, yes, it's about an immigrant experience, but there's also very universal themes in it. Mm-hmm. An appreciation for perseverance, uh, preference for hope in times of hardship, and most importantly, feeling empowered that you can make your own luck, right? And that's something mm. that is uh, that we'd love to just share with the younger generation in general. What about the goal of uh, turning in this into something more? Oh. I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're an, we're an ambitious group. <laughs> we are, we are. I mean, we're about to have a retreat coming up soon, so maybe our next thing that we write down. <laughs> More blue sky thinking, y'all. More blue sky. Yeah. Lucky cat meets lucky dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Would you buy that book? Let me know. <laughs> Well, looking back on the road to getting Lucky Cat published has reminded me of just how much time and energy went into this project. It's been, it's been, uh, yeah, over a year and a half, I believe, since we just got that email from the publisher. And now our books are out in stores and in people's hands. And it's, it's pretty incredible. And I'm so glad we were able to summarize this journey with, you know, you all out there who have been supporting us since day one. Um, and sharing with you all just how we got this got this done. So thanks for tuning in. Yeah. And to all who've supported Lucky Cat, whether helped get the word out or got a copy for yourself or little kitties in your life, thank you so much. What we do is possible because of the love and support of this community. And we love you all again so much. Um, I want to do a quick little uh, shout out though. So if you're interested in you know purchasing the book, of course, check out our book drive in our description. But also check out your local bookstore. You know, I feel like we also want to support our local bookstores that have stand the test of time and have been such a pivotal part of our of our community too. So just want to shout that out. With that, thanks again for tuning into another episode. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash support or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonate with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. If you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called GRBG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is Asian Boss Girl. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree in our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout outs. In addition to our main show that releases every Thursday, we now each host mini shows that release on Tuesdays. Tune into K-Dreaming with Mel, Living Well with Janet, and Spill the Baby Tea with Helen. Each week, we release a new episode of one of the shows right here on the Asian Boss Girl feed. So be sure to tune in to us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. And with that, we'll catch you all on the next episode. Bye! Bye.